You heard it, ladies and gentlemen. A confession of addiction right here. Episode four. (laughs) Our job is to help you win. The destination is I will be a disciple who can make disciples. We got to watch people see themselves as world changers. Welcome to episode four of the Disciples Made podcast. Let me just say right from the beginning that if you're passionate about making disciples that make disciples, then we are really passionate about you and what you're doing. We thank you for that. My name is Brian Phipps, founded Disciples Made, and this podcast is all about telling real stories, sharing best practices, having some honest dialogue, and quite honestly, some tough questions as well as shenanigans when it comes to making disciples that make disciples that make disciples. We've been working through the five core tenets of what we call the IDE, or the Intentional Disciple-Making Environment. We're outcome-focused, habit-fueled, content-flavored, community-forged, and mission-fixated. In episode one, we taught about outcome focus, and then episode two was some disciple-making disciples that were influenced by that focus and how they now influence others. We told you we want to share real stories of real people doing this, not the clergy type, not the professionals, not the people that get paid to do this, but how normal everyday people are making disciples that make disciples that made disciples. Episode three, our last episode that we dropped with Rob Wagner on Habit Fueled was very, very special. It took an unexpected but very necessary detour into the social pains that our nation is feeling right now around racism and how these habits and connecting us to God in this intimate way can help us move toward healing and reconciliation. Hope that you will be able to check that out soon. And today, we welcome two disciple-making disciples who are real dear friends of mine. They've been impacted by this second tenet called habit-fueled, and they are now impacting others with it. These are, again, disciples that make disciples that have made disciples. I want you to welcome with me Patty Bowie and Daryl Robinson. So excited to have you guys here. Just going to give you a brief introduction as to who they are. I met Patty about nine years or so ago. She is a part of a church called The Summit, formerly First United Methodist Church in Lee's Summit, Missouri. And she's a volunteer there, still is, and was helping a friend with the disciple-making efforts. And she came and was a part of all that we've been doing. She is actually, to short story this, has led a movement of disciple-making amongst women at that church. Been an incredible lady and an incredible friend. And I'm going to let her tell her just a little bit more about her just in a moment. Daryl Robinson, another amazing guy, volunteer and elder in his church called Evangelistic Center Church here in Kansas City, and has been making disciples in his business and in his neighborhood, at the golf course and in the gym, everywhere. This guy is a disciple making disciple, and he is passionate about building that ministry there at ECC. Patty, Daryl, welcome to the podcast. Brian, I'm happy to be here, and uh, it's exciting. Patty, Good to see you, Daryl. You too, Brian. Thanks. So tell us a little bit, like, like you said, we like shenanigans a lot around here. Tell us one thing about yourself that's unrelated to disciple making. And I'm watching great big eyes stare back at me right now. It's part of my shenanigan. Tell, just let them get to know you a little bit more in your character. I know you well, love you both dearly. Tell us a little bit about yourself that uh, other folks don't know. Oh dear, Daryl pointed at me, which means I guess I'll go first. The thing that comes to mind immediately is that I am a Dr. Pepper addict and I I don't like the diet stuff. I only want the real stuff. We call it fully leaded in our house. And that's my go-to when I just want a little bit of something that's just for me, a special treat. 
You heard it, ladies and gentlemen, a confession of addiction right here. Episode four. <laughs> I love it. Daryl, how about you? So Patty is so, so cool. My addiction, Brian, is fitness. I got addicted to fitness probably about four or five years ago, and uh, I can become very annoying when I get around people and I see the opportunity of changing lives outside of disciple making, just in the fitness arena. And so every chance I get, man, every chance I get is at the gym or is out doing something just to keep this body going. So when you were in a disciple-making group with me, Daryl, you put out a little video about your fitness routines, and I understand that that's on YouTube. Can you give us like the name of that deal that people might go to to learn from your uh, brilliant leadership when it comes to Wow, you sure did throw a curveball. Yes, I did. Shenanigans. I don't even know why I put it on YouTube, but Fitness at 67, and I couldn't even tell you the entire name, but uh, but Brian, I'm, I'm torn between doing another one in another month because I turned 68 and I think I need to stop boring people with me working out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you go. You might just get the seven hits of the seven people that are listening to this podcast right now. So let's turn the corner and talk more seriously just about life and disciple making. You both are passionate followers of Jesus and have been for years. Daryl, you gave us your age. We're not even going to begin to ask Patty hers, but you are clearly growing when it comes to all things Christ. But a shift happened when you started with the disciples made efforts and our focus particularly on the outcomes and then the habits and this focus on habits has shaped your personal formation differently so what was different about your disciple making pursuits as as your pursuit of Jesus once you learned more about this habit fueled effort Brian I think the big key for me is part of my responsibility was and he is assistant pastor, executive pastor at our church. And one would think as a pastor, you're automatically growing, you're automatically engaged with Christ, and you're automatically moving forward with him. But I'm going to tell you that it doesn't always result in that. I think for my, for my life, much of my Bible studying was in preparation to share, to teach, to help others. And the shift for me came in the way of, wow, I got to read this for myself. I need to hear for myself. And then as a result of that, what do I do with that? And that started the growth in me or the journey of that growth in both my character and appreciation of my calling. So if I could summarize what you just said there, you said that you're, as an associate pastor, your preparation for Sunday school, your preparation for teaching, your preparation for all these other things was pretty much the sum total of your Bible engagement. It wasn't personal. One of the habits that we talk about a lot is Bible engagement, which isn't just reading the Bible. It's reading the Bible with the intent of asking Jesus, what are you trying to teach me personally about this today? And what do you want me to do with what you've taught me? That's very different than preparing and for messages and stuff. And that can certainly leave you dry. Very dry, Brian, very dry. And I don't know as a criticism on pastors and teachers and all that, but sometimes you get in a habit, as we talked about habit forming, and the habit becomes, oh, it's about others. It's about doing this for others. And disciples may took that focus from hearing from God for myself, for my life, for my character, and getting a better understanding and appreciation of my calling. That's awesome. Let's turn it over to Patty and ask her the same question. In what ways did things shift for you personally with this focus on Habit Fueled? I would say the biggest shift for me, and there was definitely a shift, was a shift from getting in the Word and reading about the Word, reading about Jesus in order to find out more about Jesus, more about faith, to learn more. It was The shift for me was, it was in the why. Why was I in the Word? 
in the early years of my journey, I think it was all about knowledge, acquisition of information. And there there came a point at which I realized that that, that was, and it was a point that came about as a result of my involvement with Disciples Made, that first Followers Made group, when I realized that it's really about what God wants to do in me and through me, not necessarily what he wants me to know about him, but rather how he wants me to know him. That's so good. That is so good. You're talking about the difference between information and transformation. And in a later episode, we'll be talking about content flavored. And the reason we say content flavored is that we don't want content to be the focus anymore. More on that later. Content's critical. But if you're just reading a scripture to learn about God instead of engage with God, that'd be like doing a study of my wife, Carol, but never wanting to talk with her and engage with her. It just doesn't make sense. I love that. Well, habits are really hard to embed in your daily fabric. One of the things that people say a lot of the times when considering disciples made as a solution to some of their disciple making efforts is we'll never get people to sign up for these groups because you you require them to do all this Bible engagement. You require them to be in an accountability group. You require them to be praying or serving and being engaged in honest peer feedback and the bless rhythms. If you don't know all those, those are the basic habits that we really do integrate into our efforts. Of those primary habits, Bible engagement, prayer, accountability, serving, peer feedback, and the blessed rhythms, which habits were the easiest for you to adopt? We're going to come back to which ones were the most difficult to adopt, but for which one, which one of those for you was the easiest, most meaningful perhaps? I would say for me, and it, the funny thing about this is it's one that a lot of people struggle with, but the the Bible engagement through journaling specifically was the easiest for me. I have, I think my entire life essentially processed information better when I can write it down, whether it's whether it's with a pencil or a pen or some, use, use my keyboard, what comes through my brain and, and out through my fingers uh, has a better chance of getting really embedded in my brain or really etched in my heart. And so I found that to be so true of journaling that particular habit was, and I watched many of my fellow followers made people and leaders made people along the way struggle with that habit, but that's been the, probably the easiest one for me to develop. Gotcha. How about you, Daryl? Well, the easiest one for me, Brian, would have, is serving. I think serving just because of uh, just who I am, my nature and so forth, that was definitely the easiest for me. Would y'all say that the easiest for you is also the most meaningful or, or how, would you, how would you do that? Or is there another one that was more meaningful to you? Brian, the, the most difficult one for me, no, no, the most difficult, difficult one for me was the one that was most meaningful for me, which I still fight through, and that's that whole Bible engagement, as Patty said. That, for a man, seems like, and, and, and so forth, the journaling and, and the reading, that was probably the most, man, the most fulfilling of all, just to, to write down and listen to what the Holy Spirit was saying. I'm curious, Patty, if your most meaningful was also your most difficult. I think that the the most meaningful, the most day in, day out meaningful has become the prayer part of it. And we can, well, I think we'll talk about that here in a minute, if I'm not mistaken. But the journaling piece, the thing that I've loved about that, that I've been able to come back, because I can come back to it. I write something and years later, I can open that journal and I can see very clearly where God was trying to move me in that season of my life. I can see very clearly the struggles I was having with obedience steps. I can see very clearly the places where I was getting to find peace because I was following 
him where he was leading me. And when I look back on that, it, that's so meaningful. But the development and growth in my prayer life as an outcome of this has been kind of an, unexpe- an unexpected bonus. And I've, I've just loved just seeing how God has really grown me in that area of my life too. Well, that's fantastic. Let's turn the dial just a little bit, ask a bit of a different question. Part of Disciples Made's secret sauce is tying these habits to the outcomes of character and calling. And you know you know very well that we use the phrase H2O all the time, or habits to outcomes. I just love how H2O, the, the chemical symbol for water, which is a symbol for life, uh, really is the lifeblood of disciples made. And so we never want people to do habits just to check a box, to say they did it. It's much, much bigger than that. We, we do habits in order to accomplish outcomes. So how did tying habits to the outcomes of character and calling assist you in helping you get over the hump of doing the ones that you didn't find the easiest to embrace and to embed into your daily rhythms? I would say that for me, when I finally put it together, put the pieces together, that, that my goal, my outcome that I was seeking was to become more like Jesus and that those habits were going to lead me there. That became, the habits became the vehicle to help me become what I wanted to become, what I knew that, that I was being called to become. And as I, as I engaged in those habits and I did that, then I started to see those outcomes develop. I started to become more loving and more joyful and more peaceful and all of those wonderful fruits of the spirit working in our lives. And, and as I did that, that just gave me an, an even greater hunger than to find out, well, how is it that God has gifted me? How does he want to use me with those gifts? And I think that the synthesis of those two ideas together have just worked beautifully to just allow God to continue to work through the spirit in, in me to be, help me become who he wants me to be. I love the way you said that. You know, you didn't talk yourself into being more patient or kind. You just got in and did the regular reps. You know, Daryl talks about, we talked about Daryl's poor video on 68 and great or whatever you said it was. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Uh, But you know, you get in there and do the reps and then over time your physique changes if it's, you know, calisthenics and like that. But it's the same thing spiritually. You get into there and you do the habits and then the fruit starts to develop. I love that. Daryl, what would you add to that? So from my perspective, what I was able to do was I saw the link Brian, I saw the link, the connection, the biblical mandate of being and making disciples. And then the character and calling was going to be the vehicle to make that happen. And so that I could embrace, that I could wrap my mind around. And I think if you recall in one of our meetings early on, because I didn't know what I was getting into, but all I kept hearing was disciples made, followers made, leaders made. And I didn't understand what all that meant, but I just, I went from this perspective. I said, okay, there's disciples made, there's leaders made. I'm expecting there's going to be a change made. And I was looking forward to that change. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. So we've kind of started to answer this question already, but which habit has had the biggest impact on your life and how has it been such a blessing? If there's anything you haven't yet answered with that, now's the time. So the, there's two that really comes to mind. My personality, the blessed rhythm, just works for me. When I'm either at a golf course or at the gym or whatever, the connections of people that reach out to me. Matter of fact, today in the parking lot at the gym, this guy said, I just want to spend some time with you. And so that, that's one of them. And then I, pure feedback. It works for me. It makes sense for me. And I think it helps us all grow. So I would say that those, those two really jump out at me. You're a natural leader. 
And one of the reasons, you know, just in my personal observation that you've been able to excel in the marketplace are those two skills. So that it doesn't surprise me that those make sense for you. Patty, how about you? I alluded to this a minute ago, but I think the biggest surprise for me has been that the, the I think the place that I've seen the most impact has been in my prayer life. I spent many, many years being a pray before bedtime, pray before meals kind of a person. That was my that was my prayer pattern. And um, over the years, as I've walked down this road um, that really started with that first followers made group, I my prayer life has just become more and more rich and more deep and more meaningful and impactful. And I, I would say that I'm not where I'm not to the pray without ceasing place yet. I'm not where I want to be on that. I know there's still lots of room to grow, but I do find that in the little and the big moments throughout the day, I find myself looking to God and just calling upon him. I find myself praying over the scriptures, which minus the habit of Bible engagement from from this experience, I wouldn't have. I would never have been able to pray the scriptures. I wouldn't have known enough scripture to pray it. I find that um, I can pray for my own issues, my my issues of with, for my family. I can pray over friends and family. I pray in the middle of the night when I can't sleep. It's just it's just become one of the sweetest sweetest parts of my walk with Jesus. Totally love it. All right, so we talk about wanting to have honest conversation about, you know, tough questions. And this next question is a little asking for a little bit of vulnerability. For many people, establishing these kind of habits uh, is one hard to establish to begin with. It's one of the reasons we have the the uh, stats feature in our app. There are minimum requirements for our different experiences and our stats kind of let you know how you're doing based upon those minimum requirements. And that's a part of the accountability conversation. But even those that establish the habits enough in group, they don't always last. Just anecdotally, what we hear is probably about 50 to 60% of the people that kept a habit of Bible engagement and accountability and prayer and things through followers made by the time they come back for a leaders made experience have lost the habit because of the structure. Even if they found it really valuable, like you're saying, Patty, they, the, 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 the habits that they were engaging kind of helped them tune in really to the frequency that God was speaking on and their, their prayer life kicked up and whatnot. But here's the honest question. Have yours lasted? And if not, you know, what do you think happened? If so, what difference have they made and, and how have they evolved since they didn't quit? So let me just back that up and kind of break it down. Did they stop? If so, why? If they haven't, how have they evolved? I'm telling you, Brian, you, you, you said this early on in the process, the importance of the triad, the importance of accountability, and you told us in advance what could happen. And it has happened to me. Not having that connection, not having that accountability, not having someone there to go along on the journey with me. Oh, there, there has been, there's a few that have, have not uh, lasted. And, and it's, you know why, I know why, but getting that momentum to do it again is a little more difficult than one would think. And so make no mistake, what, and this is not so much promoting disciples made, but what you described and how you explain this journey is real, Brian. It truly is real. And when we, when I, when I lose sight of that, I lose sight of the, of, of the goal. I lose focus. So yes, the Bible reading, the journaling, the things around that has been a very difficult. But once again, reading for me, reading for that change in my life, that's been probably the most difficult part of, of all. Oh yeah. Gotcha. Just a parenthetical couple of statements before we turn the microphone over to, to Patty to answer this question. The reason we're called disciples made 
is we want you to develop all the rhythms necessary for a disciple to perpetually self-feed and lead influencing the world with the power of Christ. And and all these habits are just simply helping to set us up with those rhythms. You just get automatically thrown into them, kind of into a forced structure that makes you live like this. And it works because you've got seven, eight, nine, 12, you know, other people around you doing the same thing and it works. But when you get to the end of it, then you're kind of out on your own and you're floating. And a lot of people say, well, can I go back through these so that I can have the structure? Well, the idea that we have here is for you to be in a situation long enough, which is why one of the reasons we have longer duration, you know, experiences instead of a six week thing, six months is kind of a lifestyle change. And hopefully you can keep that structure on your own. But that's one of the reasons we also let you take time between followers made and the leaders made so that you can see what you missed. So when you come back and kind of take the next level up, into the disciple making experience, you're going to reinforce the desire to actually solidify those by the time it's over. So Patty, same question to you. Have you kept those habits? If so, what's been awesome? If not? Well, first I have to interject something here to say you said something about habits being hard to form, but except for the bad ones. What, what, what is it about the bad habits that are so, they're so easy to form and so hard to break? And I, I found that the good habits were, are harder to form and, and sadly easier to break. I'm not really sure what that's about, but my guess is that we could have a theological discussion about that another day. But the first time I came out of a followers may group, I hate to admit it, but my habits immediately just fell right off. Just, and I don't know that all of them did, but my consistency with them was, was essentially gone. But I had signed up to lead a follower made in the next season. So when I got back into that, I reestablished those habits, you know, re-engaged with those habits. And I discovered two things. One was that I had missed them. I had, I think one of you said that a minute ago. I I think, Gerald, you might've said it. I really missed them. I missed being in the word. I missed that accountability with other people. I missed more intentional prayer. I, I missed all of that. And I found that that was, that when I got back in, I really was so glad to be there. The other thing that I discovered upon getting back into it was I realized just how much my character had slipped along with my habits. I did not see as much Christ likeness in myself. I wasn't as loving or peaceful or patient as I wanted to be. I think my family would tell you that they they also saw the difference in me in that season. So a few years down the road, I would say that those habits are now more firmly established and it's a rare day that goes by that I'm not engaging with the word and asking God, what do you want me to do today for you based on what I've seen here, what, what I've read here, what you've shown me here. But that's, yeah, it's tough. It's a tough one. Well, that's our biggest goal. And, and if I could summarize what you just said, the habits went from a have to to a get to. There's something of value with these things that I miss when I don't have. And wow, we want everybody to get to that place so that the drive to do them comes from within. And when you hit that moment where life just happens, you know, you're going to go on vacation, you're going to get sick, a crisis is going to come up, a death in the family or a surgery, you know, and you go, well, I've been six or seven days. Normally guilt takes over and then you feel, well, I've already given up now. I better not restart. How do I just get back in? Because I have to not have to in the sense of I'm obligated to, but I just need it for my soul, for my heart. I love that. Would it be for everybody? to realize that these habits are there as an opportunity for us. I love it. Okay, so let's turn the corner now and start to ask, how has Disciples Made's focus on these habits changed how you lead other people? You're both influencers. You don't just lead groups. You lead churches. You lead people. How have the, this focus on habits changed how you lead others in spiritual formation? 
It's caused me to see people differently. It allowed me to lead people differently. I view people with the approach of, it's a Paul-Timothy relationship in many cases, expecting an outcome, expecting to see something different. And to be honest, Brian, before, I guess there was always that in the back of my mind, but it was trying to just help them for the moment, help them for that moment and help them for that moment. Now I'm looking at it from a different perspective as a a long-term, and I'm more outcome-focused on their life. And I talk to my wife about this all the time, and, and we do a lot of things still in our church, you know, from a content focused perspective. And I just encourage her in that endeavor, there's nothing wrong with that, but talk a little bit more about the outcome that you want and how to get that outcome is some habits that they need to change. Might as well go ahead and plug our upcoming episode here. Make sure that you have subscribed to this podcast because Daryl just used a phrase right there. Our church is still content focused on several things. And in our next podcast, we're going to shift from habit fueled to content flavored and why it's not content focused and the difference there. So I hope you'll tune back in on that. But Patty, let's ask you now, um, how have these habits changed how you influence others? I would totally piggyback on what Daryl had to say. I, In previous iterations of me, I would have led Bible studies, for example, and my focus would totally have been on what we were going to learn about that book of the Bible, that chapter of the Bible, that verse of the Bible, whatever that, whatever that was we were studying. And what I came to realize as a result of being involved in these experiences is that the question is not, what am I going to know at the end of this, but rather, how am I going to be different? How are we going to be different as a result of what the time we've spent together, the time we've, we've spent studying this material, this this information, whether it's material from the, the great supplemental readings that we've done along the way, or whether it's readings from the Word, whether it's the conversations that we've had in our accountability triads, whatever that is, how are we going to be different at the back end than we were when we walked in the door? And that's been, that's been the game changer. That is a game changer. It's not just what we know. It's how are we going to be different. Can you tell a story or two of people that you have been influencing that are different? And uh, I just watched both of you smile, like really big smiles. So whatever memories you have that you're about to share are obviously meaningful to you. So uh, who wants to go first and share in a story or two? So my very first Followers Made group was a was an early Wednesday morning group. And we met before work for most people. And it came to be known as Weeping Wednesday because every week somebody was crying. It was just, you know, and I'm not trying to suggest that change only occurs through tears, but we had, there was one woman in this group and I will never forget, she is one of the most competent, capable, on top of things, just, she just had it all. Just, she was just, she was in control and, but she struggled mightily. She happened to be in my triad, so I was very aware of the struggles that she had with journaling and accountability in particular. And there came a day along the way when she had fought back and fought back and fought back and fought back. And she one morning came in and she kind of took a deep breath and did a sigh. And she said, I just realized that I'm not reading this stuff to learn more, to know more, to master this material. It's really about how I'm going to be different, how I'm going to be transformed when this is done. And from that day forward, she shared that not only in our triad, but also in our larger group over time. And there were tears when she finally shared that, but we began to see God soften her. And she would later describe that he had taken her hard heart and begun to soften it. And today she is just as competent and capable and strong as ever, but she now realizes that she needs to more fully rely on God for that strength. And it's just been an amazing thing to see. Talk about addiction, things that you're addicted to. 
I'm addicted to seeing that kind of thing happen in people's lives. I totally agree with you too, Brian. There's something to be said when you see a life change that God helped and used you to play a role in that. And there's one incident that I, I'm thinking of now. And this particular person, Joyce and I, my wife and I, we uh, sort of helped disciple her along the way. And so Brian, some of that discipling started prior to Disciples Made, maybe not right along with that. But then as Disciples Made, the followers made, leaders made that I was a part of gave me the tools to take it even further. And so who struggled, this this, this young lady, middle age, I guess, she struggled with her family and, and the challenges of, of not feeling worthy and not feeling sufficient enough. She struggled with people around her, the job and how they treated her. And, and so she knew a little bit about the Bible, just enough, but not enough. And so what Joyce and I did, and as we kind of mentored and coached her through, was took her through, these are some things, these are some, we learned the word habit later on. These are the habits that we would like to see you start taking. And we guarantee you that as you start doing this, this Bible reading and journaling, as you begin to, as you gave her books, some of those very books that we read and just begin, just begin to kind of chisel away and chisel away. And so she was on a small group call yesterday with my wife and Joyce told me the growth and the leaps and about how she is now discipling some of these women that's been around for a while and she is discipling them into what it means to be fully engaged in what God is doing to be a follower. And so if there's such thing as a success story in the kingdom of God, that's one that just puts a smile on my face. John 10, 10 is a key, key verse in my life. And uh, in that verse, Jesus said that he came to make us alive to the full. In what way would your life personally be less full had you not developed these habits? I think, and I, I keep referring to the fruits of the Spirit. I keep going back to that because I think that's the that's been the the key difference in my life is that as I have leaned more into that, I've seen more of that. And I, and I, it's, it's, it's demonstrated itself in my marriage. It's demonstrated itself in my relationships with my children. It's demonstrated itself in my relationships with my siblings and my, my friends. And I just, I really believe with all my heart that my life would not be as filled with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control and all of those things were it not for these habits, this just getting into the world regularly and and talking about these things with other people that are also trying to follow Jesus as best we can and 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 just praying and, and just engaging with God on every level that he wants to engage with us I just I just believe that with all my heart boy I hope everybody hears what she just said there's a lot of people going through a lot of effort and perhaps shelling out a lot of expense to find peace patience kindness love you know and you're telling me that these Ancient habits are the source for you of finding those things. That's great value. If you didn't catch that, there's your second chance. Daryl, how about you? Disciples made the habits, the character and calling came into my life at just the time I needed it, and I didn't even know I needed it. I liken it to probably 40 years or so ago when I had said this in my mind, Lord, if this is all it is to serving you, then I don't need this. I don't need this. I, I've seen church play so much and so long, I don't need this. And he met me in a very powerful way, filled me with his love, his spirit, his peace, his joy, and that was 40 plus years back. I didn't verbalize those things, but I guess I was experiencing those things in my life prior to the disciples made. And talking about being fruitful and fulfilled, I forgot that that's what God wanted in me. 
And so these habits and this journey of, of DM and LM has helped me recognize what God has for me and how he has called me to be an influencer. And uh, he wants me to bear fruit and not just a little fruit, much fruit. And I'll end with this though, Brian, that fruit bearing reminds me of the pruning that comes with it. But I'm willing to go through the pruning for the fruit that's going to come out of that. Well, I think you just encouraged me to go ahead and kind of share what I was thinking. Normally, I'm the question asker, you know, in these type of situations, but I also want to be the question answerer. You know, Psalm 23 talks about, and yea, when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me, etc. What I was thinking of was just those seasons. And I just came out of about a three-year season of what I would call a desert, the valley of the shadow of death, where you're not just playing at the top of your game. There's uncertainty in your life. There's question marks about, you know, uh, having assurance that everything's going to be okay, you know, financially and this and that. And, and uh, I, I look at the, the scripture habit, you know, Bible engagement in particular, which of course spawns prayer, which leads to sharing with your accountability. I mean, all these people, all these elements work together. It has been a lifesaver a life preserver. It's like, this is God's preserver that he throws out into this thing called life for us to hold on to. And I just, I go back as Patty did, and I just look at these journals from two years ago, three years ago, and just every one of them is kind of like a cry out to, I'm going to preserve. I'm going to make this. I'm going to trust today. I'm going to be all right. You know, those kind of things. And you look five years back and you think, woohoo, we're, we're rocking and rolling. We're having the best time of our life. And boy, just being able to watch those ebbs and flows of mountaintop and valley is powerful. It's great value to me. So uh, one more question, and then I'm going to wrap up with kind of a fun bit of news about just how much I believe about the two of you. Our listeners today uh, want to impact the lives of others with their efforts in making disciples. So what one thing, whether it has to do with habit-fueled or anything else, what one thing would you tell our listeners is the most important to remember when you're making a disciple? Can I give you, I'm going to give you the one thing probably wrapped up in these four things. First of all, it's an expectation that Jesus has of us. It's not a suggestion. It's not a recommendation, but it's a commandment. And if he commands it, then he will equip us to fulfill it. And so that, that to me, that's it. Just know that we're expected to function like that. And if he's expecting it, you've got the tools to make it happen. Love that. Thank you, Daryl. Oh my goodness. This is a hard one, but I, I think that what comes to my mind is that God himself is going to be making the disciples, but he's asked us to walk alongside him to help him accomplish it here. Somebody once said that, you know, if you want to know what somebody finds important, listen to the last words that they said. And I um, was reading Matthew 28 the other day, and among Jesus' last words were that very commandment you just referred to, Daryl, where he said to his disciples then and now, go and make disciples. It's it's not an accident that you named this ministry Disciples Made. That's, you know, what Jesus called you to do, and you're following that lead. And I think in the same way, as Daryl just said, we're all called to be disciples disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And I'm just excited to see what God's got in store for us next. Big time. So Disciples Made has this really crazy BHAG, big, hairy, audacious goal is what some marketplace leaders have a term that they've used over the last decade or two. And it's to um, catalyze 50 disciple making movements in 50 cities across our great country by the year 2020. 
40. Now that a disciple making movement, which both of these folks have been involved in developing is when a disciple maker actually invests in two different disciples that both make disciples that made disciples. So our definition of a movement of disciple making is one person who had one disciple who uh, makes two disciples that both make two generations of disciples after that, fulfilling what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, 2, pass these things on to people who can pass them on to others. So because they've done that, and because we need help in sharing that and developing other people that can join me in coaching others and implementing the intentional disciple-making environment, using the disciples-made tools, engaging best practices. And because podcasts don't quite cut it, we have actually just finished training both Patty and Daryl to be advocates with the disciples-made team. We're glad to have you engaged and you would probably be better off trying to contact contact one of them on our team than us because they're the ones that have done it. They've done it in the field. I guess I should say I've done it as well, but you know, I'm the guy that did the business thing. So y'all are the ones that are really making it happen. Really proud of you. Here's how it's going to work. They're advocates. They're close to home. They're in the business of trying to help local people like you make disciples that make disciples that make disciples and then help you catch a bigger vision for how God might extend the movement of disciple making that starts in your organization and extend it across the region perhaps, to where we're working together in harmony to really hit that 50 cities, 50 movements. That's 1 million people in America who are growing in character, bearing the fruit of the Spirit, and are developing the top two gifts that they've been given to make a difference in the kingdom of God. People that are better people making a difference. A million of them. How do you think that would work out? Pretty cool. Pretty exciting. Kingdom here on earth. On earth as it is in heaven. Well, Patty, Daryl, Wow. First of all, thank you for being just awesome friends. Second, thank you for doing what you do to further Jesus' ministry on here on earth. And uh, thanks for being a part of the Disciples Made team. Thanks for being here today to share your experiences on this podcast. Thanks for being a part of episode four. We'll catch you on the next one. We hope that what you heard today was an encouragement to you or that it increased your curiosity in making disciples that make disciples. If you'd like to learn more about our experiences or set up a coaching call, you can visit us at disciplesmade.com or email podcast at disciplesmade.com.